Over these last number of weeks, we've been tracking on that theme of revival, exploring different parts and pieces related to what it looks like and means to have revival as part of our own lives. And we've been kind of focusing on a word each week. The words have ranged from renew and and repentance and all sorts of things. And this morning is no different. The word we have is rejoice. Everyone on the count of of three say rejoice. One, two, three. Absolutely. We rejoice around here. That's part of who we are as a Christian people. And so we're going to spend some time looking at and understanding the power and the orientation of why and what it means to have a heart that rejoices. Why is it that we rejoice as a people? Uh, in fact, we even began the service by kind of doing that scriptural piece, that back and forth. And the first part of it is rejoice. It's kind of like a direct command. It's like, yeah, you should be pumped. You should be excited about the life that God has for you. And so we're going to be exploring rejoice. Now, as I began thinking about and preparing and considering, all right, I've got to talk and speak on the, the way and, and what's got to do with rejoicing, I started asking myself about the stories and experiences where I have experienced joy. Because to, to rejoice means to have joy again. That's literally the etymology of the word is simply to experience or know joy as you have before, to rejoice. And so I asked myself, all right, when have I experienced joy before in my own life? And people have all sorts of probably stories, experiences. Any, any suggestions for me? When I say where or how have you experienced joy, you would say sure. marriage is a good one. Yep, come on, don't be bashful. Come on. It's the tent, all right, come on, work with me. We're, babies, yes, if you like a birth is like a joyous event, marriage. Graduation, that's a good one. Yeah, kind of major life, life events in terms of like maturation of your children and things like that. Yeah, right? There are different moments where joy has been part of our lives. Well, I landed on a story for me that I associate with joy, and it's one that I think almost everybody, uh, if you, 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 you will know and understand this story and experience firsthand, how many of you have ever lost your keys? All right, you know what I'm talking about? You wake up in the morning. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I got to put my keys, my wallet, and my phone in the same spot every night. Anyone else like that? Any others? Okay, okay. I'm not, thank you. Thank you. I'm not alone. My wife, she can leave it anywhere in the house. She knows where it is. Me? Uh uh-uh. uh. I got to leave it in the same spot. And when I roll out of bed and I go to reach for my keys and my keys aren't there, oh. You guys know that, you, you know that feeling, right? My face gets a little warm. My stomach starts getting queasy, and I have to take a deep breath and say, no, it's okay. I just need to look again. And so I will literally look in the exact same spot, even though I already know that they're not there. (laughs) You guys know, right? And sure enough, I will confirm the keys are missing. Now, in my brokenness, in my sinful nature, in just the junk that gets mixed up in me, I don't know about you all, but the first thing I do is... Blame somebody. I'm like, my kids, they chewing on keys all the time, so they little fingers must have got them and run off with them. So then I'm marching around the house and stomping around the house, looking in things, looking for my keys in kids' areas, right? And I get more and more steamed as I go on. And by the time I realize, okay, the kids haven't put in any of their go-to spots, then I begin to blame my my wife, my spouse. I'm like, and then I'm like, she must have used them. She must have borrowed them and didn't put them back, right? 
And I'm getting really steamed. I'm getting really angry. I'm getting really frustrated. I'm thinking about the meetings that I'm going to miss. I'm thinking about the ways in which now my day is going to be thrown off for the rest of the day. My goodness, if I miss my meetings and my day goes awry, that's going to ruin my week. And if my week's going to be ruined, the year is going to be ruined, and the life is over, it's Armageddon. Within 10 minutes, I've gone to Armageddon in my head. Has anyone ever experienced that? The world is ending. I can't find my keys. Like, that is literally what I'm going through, right? And in that moment... God's grace, God is a good God, He kind of whispers, Andrew, take a chill pill, man. And I pray, Lord, I could really use my keys, man. Help me out. And lo and behold, almost every single time I say that prayer, I look around one final time, and I find my keys. Now, when I find my keys, I don't know about you guys, but, like, when I find them there, they're under the pillow the whole time, right? I mean, they're under the pillow or whatever. They're in the couch somewhere. I find them, and I'm like Rocky Balboa. I'm like, yeah! I'm like, victory! The world will be okay, everybody, because I found my keys. And really, truly, in that moment... There's a lot of emotions going on, but I'll be honest, joy is probably at the top of the list. I mean, relief, yes. I mean, peace of mind. I'm thinking about moving on with my day. But really, truly, when I see those keys, an experience of relief, of restoration, of true joy actually takes place. Because inside of me, what happens? What was lost is now found And the world is set right again. The world feels right and good and appropriate the way that I would hope and aspire and expect it to be. The world feels right when I find my keys. Now, next time all y'all lose your keys, you're going to think through this. And there will probably be a moment where you begin to experience joy at having your keys reconciled to you. Now, interestingly enough, this whole story that I just walked you through is actually very prevalent and one that Jesus himself uh, pulls on. Now, he doesn't use uh, keys to describe the experience of having something restored to him or rescued. He uses other analogies, other stories, other examples. If you go to the Gospel of Luke, he, he uses these uh, stories. They're sometimes called parables. If you ever heard of that term used in the Bible before, a parable is a story that's meant to convey something, meant to teach us something. Jesus associates joy in a variety of places, but particularly nuanced are three places where he gives three stories, and each of these stories, something lost is found, and the person who finds it experiences joy. Their response to the world being set right and good once more is joy. The first example he gives is of a shepherd who loses his sheep. When the sheep is returned and restored to him, he experiences joy and he wants to go celebrate with his friends. The next story that he tells is one of an old woman losing a coin. You know what I'm talking about? The coin falls out of the purse and it rolls away somewhere and she goes searching for it. She goes looking for it. She finds the coin. It is restored to her and her response is joy. 
The last one is not only just a thing or an animal, but actually another person. It is the story of a lost son, if you will. The prodigal son is one of the terms that is often used to describe the story. The story of the prodigal son is how a son disenfranchises from his family, leaves them all behind, leads a life of of pain and hurt, and yet he is restored and returned to his family, to his father, his dad. And his dad's response to having the world set right and good again is joy. And he throws a big party and he has a big feast. And it's a time and experience of overwhelming joy rejoicing. There's something about the world being set right that evokes joy in us. Think about if you've ever been in the hospital before. You know, one of the best things ever is coming home from the hospital. As you step back into your regular rhythms and your regular bed and your regular space, as the world is set right, that you've been healed by modern medicine and doctors and nurses who labored over you and you have been restored, the response to driving home from the hospital, it's just joy. When, when I hear a story of adoption, it's one of my favorite stories to hear and to listen to because of the way in which I experience the joy of a new parent and how I bear witness to, even on a greater scale, joy myself. The fact that a child is welcomed into a home, has a, a place to love and care and cherish them, that, that, that there's a restoration in the world is set right for this child, I bear witness and I would say that is a moment of joy. As the world is made right, we experience joy. When I thought about myself in moments of most profound joy, I had a lot of the same moments that you described before. Uh, When my, my children were born, there was something right and good about that. When I was married to my wife, there was something right and good and wondrous about that. But you may laugh, but when I actually think of the word joy, uh, an experience comes to my mind. Uh, When I was younger, I was a canoe guide in the wilderness. I lived in the border of Canada and Minnesota. And in that experience, I would take groups of uh, high school kids from the inner city out into the woods. What do you mean? We got to leave our cell phones behind? Yes, you have to leave your cell phones behind. What do you mean? I got to like cook my own food? Where's the microwave? There is no microwave, right? And so I would teach and encourage these kids on how to live in a wilderness environment. And I even got to teach them about Jesus. I was part of a Christian camp. And so I would actually do Bible study with these kids who are from the inner city that often come from very disruptive homes, Uh, Even dangerous homes or backdrops. Uh, Gang violence was a reality for many of them. Uh, These were at-risk youth. And so they would come with me for an entire week in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. And I have a vivid memory of one moment where I experienced joy. It was this moment where I sat and I had water up to my knees, up to my thighs. The, The canoe was like bouncing in the water. And I was holding on to it. The kids had already started walking and hiking behind me, so I didn't have to worry about them. And the day was just picture perfect. Do you ever have those moments where you feel like you're staring at a calendar picture? Like you're in the calendar picture? The trees were glowing yellow from the sun. There were birds that were singing. 
There's that light breeze to keep you cool. I felt like God was close to me. I felt like he was nearby. And perhaps most importantly, I felt like I was right where I needed to be at that season in my own life. I could look at my life and I could look at this world and say, this is right and this is good. And my response to that was joy bubbling up inside of me. I rejoiced at the moment that I had to simply say, wow, I am so blessed and so fortunate, and this life is good. Now, in transparency, it doesn't mean that although I had that moment of joy, there weren't also moments of difficulty right alongside that. On that particular trip, I had some pretty troublesome kids with me. (laughs) They were pretty gnarly. It was an intense trip. Joy is like that. Uh, Joy does not mean that everything is perfect. Uh, Joy does not mean that everything is happy, happy, good. Joy is something different. Joy is more than a momentary emotion. You need to remember that. Joy is more than an emotion. Something more profound. Something more lasting. Something more impactful happens when you experience joy. Happiness will come and go. Don't chase it. It's not worth it. But living into joy, into a rightness within yourself, and recognizing and seeing and pursuing the rightness of the world, that's bigger. It's more important. It's more lasting. Joy is something that you can actually have in the most depressed and darkest of moments in your life. Joy is so powerful that you can actually stand and face the darkness. Whatever challenge, whatever situation is going on, you can stand in that moment and say, I have joy as I pursue and perceive what is right and good with this world. You can stand in the face of darkness and speak light and grace and hold on to the right things that God has given us. That's the power behind joy. It is not fleeting. It does not come and go. It is tied to your identity as a human, as you simply name and recognize the right and good things in your life, and in this world. We know as Christians, for those of you who practice the Christian faith, life is not rainbows and butterflies. You guys have probably heard me say that before. You don't sneeze butterflies, and you don't fart unicorns, okay? It's tough. I'll name it. It's hard. In fact, that's why Jesus had to come. Because it is tough and it is difficult. There are moments where our dreams are shattered, where deception takes place, where relationships are ruined, where we ruin relationships. There's brokenness and junk that runs rampant inside of us, outside of us, and all around us. And yet this is why joy is so profound and powerful for us. Because it points out and it clings to the right and good things in a broken, hurting world.
the early church, those who practiced the Christian faith right away, also understood this. Perhaps in transparently and sometimes more profound ways than we do today. The early church, those who, the disciples themselves, let's just talk about them. The disciples, they witnessed Jesus. They walked with him. They ate with him. They, they, they literally broke bread with him and spent time with God himself incarnate. They had joy at seeing Jesus work miracles as he took someone who was broken and hurting and restored them to a right wholeness. They had joy as they witnessed the, the resurrection, uh, death and the brokenness that comes with death and all of a sudden life and the rightness and the goodness of life being restored despite death. These are people that had joy overflowing. Do you know what happened towards the longer scope of their life, like the end of the spectrum of their life, the latter part of the disciples' story? Pain, suffering, persecution. All but one of them died. It didn't even just die, was killed. They all died. But, but all but one was killed. Like, like in a gruesome way, some of you have heard the name Peter, for example. If you've heard the name Peter before, did you know he was crucified upside down? He didn't want to be crucified on a cross like Jesus. He thought that would be too pretentious. He thought that would be way too much for him. So he actually made his final request in life as he's about to die and be killed was to be crucified, actually flipped upside down. Peter, the great, overflowing, joyous disciple, crucified and bled out upside down on a cross. Take the early church that followed the disciples, the first churches, the like communities of people that began to practice the way of Jesus and follow Jesus. Rampant persecution. At that time, the Roman government was in charge. The Jews and the historic precedent related to the Jews was to persecute Christians at every opportunity. I mean, Christians, you know what we had a rap for? Lion food, all right? Like if you were to print the t-shirt today, it would not say WWJD, it'd say lion meal, Okay, because they were literally fed to lions. Rampant persecution, pain and suffering. Paul himself, one of the early guys who actually wrote much of the Bible, the New Testament. He wrote all these letters that we study and that we actually read earlier today. The, the scripture piece that we read was from a book called uh, Philippians. It's a letter from this guy named Paul. You know Paul's story? He got shipwrecked three times. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was in jail. He faced the darkness of this world. And yet Paul is the one that penned the words, Rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Because joy is not simply happiness. Joy is the profound calling that you and I have to name what is good and right in this world and live into that. Earlier in his letter in Philippians, Paul writes... I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful servant 
is an offering to God. I want all of you to share that joy. Wait a minute, share the joy that may end in death? Yes, that joy. Share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy as you share mine. The experience of joy and what it means for us to rejoice is not simply an emotion that comes and goes. It is rather a testimony, a commitment, the willingness to name what is good and right in our world and pursue it. That brings joy. I was trying to think of a fancy way of saying this. I'll be honest, it didn't come out the way I hoped. I tried to think of a tagline for you guys to remember. How do you say in a cool way that you can remember, God's putting the world right again, and that should cause us to rejoice. God is restoring and healing and reviving. God looks at this broken world, and he's getting his hands dirty in your life and in my life, trying to make things right. And that, that is cause for joy. When God reaches into my life, into your life, and makes something right again, we should rejoice in this. It stems from God himself, who is a right and good God. God in his character. He himself is compassionate and loving caring for you, for me, and this world. And he is working to restore it and revive it. And we should rejoice in this. The way that I tried to capture it is that we rejoice as God writes the mess, being in his own self, godly rightness. He writes the mess of our worlds and our lives. He is working Challenging us, right? Growing us, but seeking to right the broken things. Doing so because of his own goodness and rightness. His own character. His own person. One of the ways in which we see this most clearly is when Jesus himself comes. Jesus comes to this world to right the mess, to take what is broken and set it right. In fact, when the angels show up at Jesus's birth, do you know what they say? They say this, I bring you good news of great joy. Why? Because God has shown up in the midst of the mess to make things right again. And so Jesus' birth is a time of great joy for you and me as God works to set the world right, good, whole, and restored. He does this out of his own character, his own person, out of the way in which he himself is wired, if you will. 
the line that we read from Philippians, Paul, the guy who wrote the stuff we're talking about, he said, be full of joy where? In the Lord. That's where. In him who is himself right and good. All right, where does this leave us? As we begin to experience revival, life coming back into us, restoration, uh, repentance, a sense of renewing, all the things that we've been studying all these weeks, as you experience revival, as God sets things right and good in our world and in our lives through the power of Christ, that leaves you and me to simply rejoice, to take joy and satisfaction in our good, kind, and loving God. And so... Brothers, sisters, rejoice. God is setting the world right through Jesus. So rejoice. We're going to try it right now in the beginning of the letter. We did it at the very beginning. The guy actually says, shout it out, rejoice. All right? So here you go. We're going to practice it. Shout it out. You're going to shout rejoice. You ready? Let me hear you say Put some little oomph behind it, some good old-fashioned joy, real true Joy. You ready? One, two, three, rejoice. Rejoice. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, but we're in a tent. That means sound carries. That means that we got to let everybody around us hear this. Everybody, the communities, the people. On the count of three, from your toes all the way up, let's give God a good praise and thanksgiving as we rejoice together. One, two, three. Rejoice. You bet. You get to rejoice in a God who is at work setting things right. And so rejoice. Please close with me in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise. We do indeed rejoice. We take joy in your activity in this world the ways in which you bring about healing and hope and restoration, that you take the brokenness which is so rampant in our world and confessionally in our own lives, Lord. We acknowledge that we so often bring that brokenness, and yet you are at work healing and forgiving, reviving. God, thank you. We rejoice in your activity, in your character, in your sacrifice, In your son, Jesus Christ, we rejoice in the ways in which you teach us to lean into a better life, a right and good life, following your ways, listening to what you would have for our lives in this world. God, we rejoice in who you are and what you are doing in and through your people this day and every day. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.